Hi everyone, Sean Paul Ellis here from the Saturday Morning Cartoons Podcast. Remember, that's morning with you. Everybody, we are back. We hope that you had a great holiday. I, I'm actually very nervous about kicking off 2019 with New Year's Nicktoons. It really kind of feels crazy to be back, and I really hope that everyone enjoys today's episode. So what did I do over the break? I actually, I finished God of War for PlayStation 4, and I started playing Red Dead Redemption 2, so really lofty goals, gang, for 2019 on my end. Some very quick pre-show announcements pertaining to a very quick request to everybody. Some shout-outs, what's happening in January, and then what's happening on today's episode. So the holidays are over, and you're loving our podcast. I can't thank you enough. On social media, I have posted and pinned a tweet where you can tell BuzzFeed that you love our podcast. BuzzFeed has asked readers to recommend podcasts for 2019. Please recommend us. Honestly, we've been around for five, almost five years now. We love the boost and we're confident in our show and confident in our ability to ask for help. So please recommend us. If you do, message me on social media and I will send you some SMC stickers. I'm serious. It's, it's that easy. Some quick shout outs that are in the style of a reverse compliment sandwich. On YouTube, Andy Howie, he messaged and said on our Herculoids episode, he said, SMC, you admit it to yourself. These cartoons predate you. So you really shouldn't be so damn critical. For their time, they were excellent. I grew up watching these and the trash that is produced now can't compare. How about you stick to something you know something about? I agree with Andy that we are tough on stuff, uh, on certain cartoons, and that sometimes we shouldn't be so critical. Then again, this is a review podcast, so bringing some type of criticality is inherent in the DNA of this show. Some people really love Herculoids, some don't. And our show is giving those real snap impressions about how we feel with a group of friends after we've had a chance to kind of watch, review, process everything from that cartoon itself. You may feel different, or you may have a different opinion. It's totally okay. Uh, if you feel that I was in error, then recommend an episode for me to watch, and I will re-review it. Promise. I love a good challenge. So Sam on Twitter messaged and said, looking for a new podcast? SMC is stoking that nostalgia for 90s animation, in all caps, HARD. That's almost at our SMC but we love it. So thank you, Sam. This really made my day when you sent this out. I, I can't thank you enough, friend. Thank you. And then to finish out this reverse compliment sandwich on YouTube, episode 35, Rocco's Modern Life, which is appropriate for New Year's Nicktoons, Juan King says, eat a big fat day. Thank you, Juan. Thank you, Juan, for listening. I appreciate it. Even if you didn't like the episode, even if you didn't listen to the episode, I just appreciate the comment. For the rest of January, we've got the following. This week is my life as a teenage robot. Next week, that's right, very next week, we're going to ramp back in with Danny Phantom to close out New Year's Nicktoons, and then February is going to be all listener appreciation. So if you've called in and you have recommended a cartoon, we are going to do it in February, guaranteed. So what's happening on this episode? Last year, SMC was really kind of beyond our frame of reference when it came to Nicktoons and we love our segment, New Year's Nicktoons, and so we really wanted to be able to continue with that trajectory. This year is extra interesting because we are very far past our frame of reference for Nicktoons that we would have watched when we were a kid. 
Thankfully, joining me today, we have Jackie Poliche and Denny Johnson, who had originally joined me on our Pound Puppies episode this past fall. I had a blast with uh, these two friends, and Denny has actually never watched a Nicktoon. So this is the first Nicktoon he's ever watched. And Jackie is 100% correct in asserting that we're talking about teenage womanhood, and she is the only woman on this show. Just facts, just facts, and a lot of fun. All of that and more on today's episode. So now, on with the show. Hello, and welcome to Saturday Morning Cartoons, the podcast that revisits, reviews, and ridicules some of the world's weirdest animated series, coming to you all the way from Dr. Wakeman's lab. I'll be your robotic teenage host, Sean Paul Ellis. Joining me today, a hot Class D meteorite heading to destroy the Earth, we have DC-based performer Jackie Poliche. Shoo! <laughs> <laughs> is that your meteorite? Yeah. Shoo, shoo! That is it perfect. Sounds just okay. like one. Sounds dead. <laughs> and you've heard him in the background already. Joining us also today, a cool neighbor boy with a slick haircut. We are joined by DC-based performer Denny Johnson. Pew Welcome. pew! <laughs> is that your That's neighbor boy? That's me playing Ray Gun as the neighbor boy. I didn't have neighbors growing up, so I don't know how they acted. It's is the setting on your ray gun for meteorite. It's for meteorite. It's for meteorite. Pew pew. Choo. Uh oh, Mister. <laughs> uh, I think if anybody had not looked at the title of this show, they would think that we were just playing with Nerf and toy guns from like the seventies. Mm-hmm. And I think I'd be pretty cool with that. Yeah. Let's next time. <laughs> Always next time. But weirdly enough, we are talking about my life as a teenage robot. And I'm not talking about my personal life as a teenage robot. I am not a robot. I am a real human. And we're talking about the Nicktoon that is a part of our New Year's Nicktoons. We are back in 2019 with the Nicktoon, My Life as a Teenage Robot. And so I wanted to check and see, kind of going around the horn to see Jackie did you have any experience with my life as a teenage robot? What was your experience also with just Nicktoons in general? So I had no clue this was a show. I did not know this was a Nicktoon. Maybe it was after my time. Uh, well, probably, but I have a younger sister who is six years younger than me. So a lot of my Nicktoons exposure was through her, but then I was definitely watching. So Rugrats, Doug, Pepper Ann. Was a good one. Uh, Recess was Recess a Nicktoon or similar or that era? No. So I think that that was actually ABC. Fox? Oh, ABC. I think that was ABC Family for Recess as well as also for Pepper. Ann. Oh so man, those were, those were actually like Saturday morning. So it was weird because Nicktoons were like the Sunday morning focus on Nickelodeon. So it was Doug and Rugrats, Rugrats. and Ren and Stimpy were like the first okay. wave that they had. Well, it's in weird. The early I, 90s. I'm looping all those other ones in there with them. That's okay. I think that they're contemporaries within that sort of okay. mid 90s time frame. Mm-hmm. So in terms of animation as a whole, it still falls within that yeah. time frame. Okay. So so then the Nicktoons I watched were Ren and Stimpy, <laughs> Doug. Edit. Can we edit? Edit in post? Go back. Let's start again. Sean is <laughs> a robot. Um, so yeah, but I didn't know this existed. Okay. Denny, what was your experience with my life as a teenage robot or Nicktoons in general? Zero. Zero. Um, I 
had never heard of this. I've heard of Rugrats and Doug and Ren and Stimpy, obviously. I'm not from another planet, unlike some of our compatriots in this um, <laughs> cartoon. But um, I have zero experience with any of them. They're slightly, uh, I, I was a little older at the time. I'm 40 now, so like. Okay, you're not that much older than I am. No, no but it was a little, and, and also we didn't have any of, we didn't have Nick, Nickelodeon, I guess okay. it was called. We didn't have Nickelodeon. Um, and so I don't know any of these Nickelodeons. No, that, that's fascinating to me. Just, this was the first, this for this show. Was the first time I watched it. This, this is your first Nicktoon yeah, ever. My life as a teenage robot. Wow, Sean, was this era of Nick um, for cable boxes exclusively? Was it digital cable box, or did you ever have those? You press down the channel. Absolutely, cable? it was digital, right? I think that this. I mean, this was in early two thousands. So yeah, this would have been, I believe, a digital. I'm, I'm sure that there were some people who had older cable boxes. Uh, during that point, probably hanging on to something that was a little bit older. But for me, this was something that, you know, at the time that this came on in, I think, 2003 uh, for the first episode, I, I was definitely watching this like in college on like a, a Comcast cable box yeah. that they had given to me, you know, whenever I had signed up. So I, I believe that this was, this came out in the digital cable box era. There. I wish it was the earlier one because I want to talk about those. Oh, <laughs> but she'll okay. shoehorn it in. Don't I'll worry. It's on, she on already my agenda. Has. I mean, she already has. I it's have on the a whole agenda. agenda. Yeah, <laughs> you can rip this up because she's got a whole agenda. <laughs> <laughs> now, I, you know, this was a this was again because of the time that this came out. I have been very familiar with so many Nicktoons, but we got to the point last year on the show where we began talking about discussing Nicktoons that were really kind of outside of my purview. Like they were there in the zeitgeist and I was familiar with the idea and the concept. I saw them on commercials, advertisements, probably as toys, but I hadn't really watched them. And that included my life as a teenage robot. I knew that this existed. I knew that it was something that was out there, but I had no exposure, you know, even based off of the, the hours and hours and hours I spent on Sundays watching Nicktoons, this was something that I was, I would have been 23 when this came out. And I just, I was probably sleeping in very late, nursing off sure. a college hangover at that yeah. point. So you missed this. I missed this. So, but I had an opportunity to catch up for tonight. Great. And so keeping that in mind, just with the kind of the history, because we've kind of talked a little bit about this. So if you're not familiar with my life as a teenage robot, it's an American animated science fantasy television series created by Rob Renzetti from Nickelodeon. The series is set in a fictional town of Tremor Morton. Its theme focuses on making lighthearted fun of typical teenage problems and other conventions and drama of the teenage and superhero lives mixed up with a combination of action, adventure, sci-fi fantasy, and comedy sequences. The series follows the adventures of a robotic girl named XJ-9, or Jenny as she prefers to be called, who attempts to juggle her duties of protecting Earth while trying to live a normal teenage life. The series was produced by Frederator Studios in association with Nickelodeon Animation Studios and distributed by Paramount Television in the United States and by Nelvana in Canada with Rough Draft Studios providing the animation services. Now, this is really interesting because uh, Frederator has done a lot of very popular cartoons that are out there now. And they have really kind of... Be you know, become a force to be reckoned with in terms of cartoons 
that are out there, but it's it's crazy to think that this is one of the earlier things that they had actually worked on. And and uh, Renzetti had pitched the series to Frederator Studios animated shorts showcase called Oh Yeah Cartoons, which was again another Nicktoon, but it was more of a uh, showcase of different styles of animations from people who might not have been ready to create a full pilot, but they were pitching an idea at that time. And so there were a lot of cartoons that actually came out of that Oh Yeah Cartoons era and actually became primetime things um, for Nickelodeon. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of cool to see that this sort of went along that same line. Original plot was titled My Neighbor Was a Teenage Robot, and it aired on Nickelodeon January 5th, 1999. So that's almost four years before it actually became a series itself. Viewer approval ratings convinced the network to order a half an hour episodic series, which premiered August 1st, 2003. After airing its first two seasons, the series was canceled in terms of production because of poor ratings. The completed third season eventually aired on Nickelodeon's spinoff network, Nicktoons, October 4th, 2008, and then it finished May 2nd, 2009, officially ending the series in terms of airing. The series totaled three seasons, each consisting of 13 episodes, so 39 episodes total. All three seasons are available on DVD on Amazon and iTunes. Weirdly enough, some countries have geo-blocked the show, including Canada, which, if anybody has listened to this program and they know my thoughts and feelings on Canada and their animation, fuck you, Canada. I love Canadians, but man, their animation is just so bad sometimes. I had no idea about these strong feelings. Let me tell you later about my pet monster. I'll tell you afterwards. Don't worry. It's not great. Um, (laughs) My Life as a Teenage Robot received mostly positive reviews from critics being nominated for numerous awards, um, most prominently, one Primetime Emmy Award and 11 Annie Awards. So this wow, did a That's great amazing job. to me. And it, it, it seemed to have really good reviews, but for some reason they canceled this after the second season because of, I guess, poor ratings at that point. Bizarre. So very weird. But, yeah. But then it eventually had that third season. They eventually had that, that final third season. It's, I mean, you find that to be a little bit more common in terms of what we have for Nicktoons. I mean, Hey Arnold has been off the air for, I think, almost a decade, a little over a decade. And then they came up with a movie that kind of explained a little bit more about Arnold's mother and father. And so then that premiered, I think, last year. And so they, they've, hmm. they've done a good job of kind of bringing things back, especially if you're familiar with Rugrats. They had all grown up which came out, you know, almost like 10 years after Rugrats had concluded yeah. and then they had like an older one. Eventually they're just going to have Rugrats the college years mm-hmm. and it's going to be a whole say by the bell. So they thing. are actually grown up now. Is that yes. what you're saying? Oh. They're like adults with mortgages and problems. Wow. Does Tommy have hair? Uh, yes. And then he'll lose his hair when it's like Rugrats midlife crisis. Well, weirdly enough cuz his dad had like a full head of hair and so did his mom, so it's your I mean mom's dad. Your Air genetics. Well, we did know the grandpa, right? Oh, yeah, and he was pretty oh, much okay. bald at that point. Well, so go. yeah. Oh, geez, you're right. <laughs> That's why it's the mom's dad. Thank you yep. for helping me with that. It's not a problem. <laughs> you guys got there together, and I'm proud yeah. of you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but you guys are actually going to help us out in terms mm-hmm. of understanding a little bit of the the plot synopsis of My Life as a Teenage Robot, and sort of a little bit of maybe the the exploration and adventure of Jenny, which is not going to pertain to the episode that we watched for tonight, but it kind of helps to paint a little bit of a broader picture. So thank you, Jackie. XJ-9, Jenny Wakeman, as she prefers to be called, 
is a state-of-the-art, gyanoid automaton, sophisticated robot created by her mother, Dr. Nora Wakeman, an elderly spinster robotic scientist five years prior to the series. Jenny is Earth's protector, armed to the teeth with a wide range of weapons and devices, but all she really wants is to live the life of a normal teenager. She was preceded in development by eight other models. Jenny's friends are her next-door neighbors, Brad and Tuck Carbuckle. Another one of her friends is Sheldon Lee, who wasn't in the episode we watched, but here's some hot gossip. Sheldon is a somewhat stereotypical nerd who is infatuated with her. Jenny often rejects his romantic advances, but still cares for him as a friend. Fans of the show often speculate on whether Jenny would have ended up with Sheldon or Brad. Renzetti and his team seem to favor Sheldon, but refuse to give any definitive answers as to how he would have ended the series if he was given a fourth season. At high school, Jenny has an ongoing rivalry with the Crust cousins, Britt and Tiff, the popular girls in school. Dr. Wakeman often tries in vain to control her creation and keep her, quote, daughter focused on protecting the planet Earth. Adding to her trouble is that she is constantly being dogged by the all-robotic Cluster Empire, whose queen, Vexus, wants her to join their world of robots by force if necessary. Despite it all, Jenny struggles to maintain some semblance of a mostly human life. So there you go. Jenny, we, we can almost stop calling her XJ9. She prefers Jenny. You right. know? She just wants to have a normal teenage life. She just, who doesn't? Who doesn't? Who didn't? Yeah. That's I mean, what I, we all wanted. I, I mean, I'll be honest. I think my teenage life was a little bit weird. Uh, but I mean, whose teenage life I wasn't think, If weird? you didn't think your teenage years were weird, you were doing it wrong. Or it was done to you wrong. Because that's how <laughs> I felt. No, what I mean, <laughs> did anyone actually feel in control of their life when they were a teenager? If you did, get out of here. If you did, straight up your adult. parents had too much money. Yeah. I see. I think I I was um, emotionally wild. Like my diaries are insane. <laughs> from when I was a teen, like they're insane. It's she like she has her own agenda for this show. Well, that's really what I want. And I was <laughs> I am the only person here who was a teenage girl. Oh, correct. Yeah. Play that. Okay. No, well, there's you, definitely a spectrum here, though, because that, <laughs> <laughs> that's not a card. That's not a card, Jackie. That's just a straight fact. That's a fact. That is a fact. There's Shoo. no alternative fact there. Yeah. Again with the asteroid, Sorry. the meteorite. I just it's like I'm dropping a bomb. Yeah. A truth bomb. It's true. Shooting a meteor. Teenage time is hard. Oh gosh. Well, like any good teenager, I would say music is a fundamental part of that experience, of mm-hmm. that process of growing up. And so to kind of kick this off, we have our theme song for my life as a teenage robot. And so Jackie, I wanted to get your impressions. What did you what did you think of this? What 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 was your first take listening to the theme song? It was the most heavy-handed attempt at setting up plot that I've ever heard in a theme song. <laughs> it literally is like and then she tried like it, it like mm-hmm. then she tries to escape the this and that. like it's it's too much. I do like that it's like poppy and upbeat. It kind of has a bangles and updated bangles feel like it's multiple voices, female pop. But it's just too much. It's not catchy in the sense that you can't like be singing it along to yourself because there's so many words in it. Mm, interesting. I like the Bangles reference. That was good. I had uh, another uh, reference musically that I, I want to get your, your take on in a minute, but Denny, 
What was your impression of the theme song? What did you think about it? Though I would agree on the heavy handedness, I love a heavy handed because then it's accessible and I don't, I can dive right in. I like an origin story and I like to know what I'm getting into. And I also am a huge fan of sci fi and fantasy in general. And that you're always going to find that with sci fi and fantasy because it's because it's not we're visiting a normal, it's not the Rugrats where you can plug and play. It's, who the fuck is this robot? And why do I care about? And why do I care? Right. And who's this old lady? So, <laughs> what's and we're she not, doing? We're not even talking about the cartoon. Yeah, I'm just no. like, who's this old right. lady? No, I always sitting watch on the couch with you, to, like right. at a, in a bus depot, like at a Greyhound bus. <laughs> and who is this old lady? Uh, so yeah, I liked that about it. Um, and then I, I also um, something you had of us look for or at, and I remember this from the last one is like, is it recycled animation? And I want to know what your take is on this because I was actually just trying to study it. And my take is that it's not. But I'm not supposed to ask the questions. No, here. no, no. You can ask yeah, a question yeah. because I, I think the answer is that it is dedicated animation. It is dedicated. Really, and I believe, right. yeah. I mean, obviously for tonight, we watched the first episode from the first season. Uh, all of these episodes have really kind of two episodes in the the 23-minute block that they had. And so the the titles that we had were... Uh, it came from next door as well as also past control for these episodes. But it was interesting because without watching more episodes, uh, you know, you never really kind of truly understand whether or not it is dedicated animation. But for the sake of this, I felt that it was. Mm-hmm. It seemed like this was something that was pretty dedicated, pretty unique. And I felt that the animation and the music and sort of what they were talking about was unique and uh and interesting to sort of the message for this science fiction kind of fantasy uh world that they were creating and so i do agree with the heavy handedness and i I felt that they needed to kind of communicate the fact that uh for 2003 let's be very honest they had a lot of pop punk we were still sort of weaning our way out of the area of of avril lavigne right uh we had a lot of yeah Mm -hmm. And so we had a lot of like girl kind of power bands that were coming out at that time. There was one specific singer that I remember, and this is going to sound very weird, but did you ever listen to the Legally Blonde soundtrack? No. There, no. There, <laughs> <laughs> honestly, I would have thought that both people in I this know, room would have. It, yeah. it, you, it feels like you had your, the right audience. Uh, there is, uh, there's an artist on there called Hoku, uh, and she has a song called "Perfect Day," and if I hum it, it's like oh. "Perfect Day." Uh, I actually know nothing standing in my way. I played the theme song and Hoku's "Perfect Day" at the same time earlier today, and it it sounded almost identical to me. And so, in terms of what was there, I was like, "Oh, this this clearly feels like it was in that era. It was something that was kind of unique to that early two thousands." And I, I never would have thought that it would have been Hoku. I never thought in a million years that I would have referenced Hoku on this on this show. But I did like the fact that there was a lot of exposition of them kind of building you into this, as well as also kind of discussing and talking a little bit about some of the potential problems and, and the relationships that Jenny was going to have. For anybody who's been a longtime listener, I think it's very challenging because there are a bunch of characters that are in this show, and there's no actual roll call. So very similar to when we watched Pound Puppies and they were like, cooler, you know, uh, you know. You have to bring up cooler. Yep. Yeah. Always we knew he was, cooler. he's always with us now. Yeah. <laughs> he's always with us now. Hey, uh, guys. <laughs> but, you know, we, we, we have a lot of those. You have that ability to kind of 
call out some of those characters and give that name. So again, as you're kind of coming into that universe, into that world, you sort of can identify with that particular person. You sort of get a little bit more of, I want to say, an attachment sometimes Mm -hmm. to that character. And I don't think, in, in kind of looking over the lyrics that I have right now, a lot of it is talking about, you know, it's five o'clock and she got called to go blading. And so she's at the skate park by the mall, which these things all sound like they're very 80s and 90s kind of oriented. And I guess for the pilot when it came out in 1999, mm-hmm. that would have been stuff that was around that time. And I'm sure that it was still prevalent in the early 2000s and 2003 for, for kids in general. So it's interesting to see that the line that I was that I had to re-listen to multiple times was, with the strength of a million and seventy men, no way. Which was yeah, it's I uh, yeah. I guess or she goes. I guess I really shouldn't complain. Still wish I can go for a walk without rusting in the rain. And, was, and then there's that animation of her rusting. Of her rusting, yeah. So I, I think the the line that I, I kind of like took to task was like the million and seventy men. I was like, oh no, you were just looking for a rhyming word. Yeah. At that point, I was like, okay. I get it. Because like the and 70 men kind yeah. of felt like it was a total throwaway. It took me out of it for all of like two seconds. You, but you had to go back and listen. But I had to go back and listen and then I Googled all the lyrics. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, I still, think it was, I still think it was something that was a fun listen. Could I hum any of this off the top of my head right now? Absolutely not. Mm-hmm. It was totally not a no worm for me. Uh, okay. But it was fun. It was poppy. And I think that, you know, if I was watching this at that time i would have been probably pretty jazzed and and energized i also really like the fact that it's only like 30 seconds long like you're in you're out this isn't a theme song that goes on for a full minute they don't try to belabor a point it's just she's a robot girl and she wants to lead a normal life problems yeah she's got problems and she's also got the power of a million plus 70 men (laughs) yeah yeah not 71 yeah not 71 (laughs) you know how to beat her now (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh man uh any any final thoughts about the theme song maybe i'd ask for 40 seconds so that we could slow it down a, a little uh, smidge okay yeah. maybe that's that would make me like it more mm-hmm. all right because we're just jamming in the words there mm-hmm. it goes it goes by pretty quickly so maybe 40 seconds 40 seconds that's that's my those are my final thought maybe <laughs> 47 seconds, seconds. 47 <laughs> Maybe 40 and 7 40 seconds. And seven. A million plus 70 seconds. A million plus 70 seconds. <laughs> Not at all. Pew, pew. So it's, <laughs> it's very unique and it's very interesting uh, regarding animation style for this because I feel that this is a blend and it's a merge of a lot of different mm. styles of animation. And so I'd be curious, Jackie, to sort of get your impression of what the animation was, if there were any contemporaries that were around this time or anything that you've ever watched in general that you've been like, you know what? looks familiar to me so in the most basic of terms to me it looked very like cut and pasted like like layers of paper almost like a collage style like okay geom very geometric Mm -hmm. and i think it reminds me of hey arnold like like geometric shapes i don't know that that was my takeaway i liked it though i thought it was very neat Mm -hmm. but it looked modern for what the time was okay interesting denny what are your thoughts i don't know if i'm saying this because it's the concept is in my head and that's similar because that is similar this for somewhat reason reminded me of the powerpuff girls 
So like how the Powerpuff Girls fly through like when they're doing like a a kick. What is it? Uh, what am I trying to say? Like a jump kick, and then like all this stuff flows behind them. Sure. Anyway, it felt like the same to me. And now having said this, I don't know if that's because it was the same or because that is also about like uh, empowered girls trying to do it for themselves with an authority figure living in a house with them. No, I think that there are a lot of parallels to your point that you can draw between My Life as a Teenage Robot as well as also Powerpuff Girls. You know, they have a creator, uh, you know, Sugar Spice, Everything Nice, and, mm-hmm. and Chemical X, you know, mm-hmm. created the, mm-hmm. you know, Bubbles, Buttercup, um, and Blossom. And so you 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 have, again, Dr. Uh, Wakeman, who every time they said her name, I thought they said the word Wegman, like the grocery yeah. store. And I, I had to pause at one point and, What's the real and double check. I can definitely see a lot of parallels between a creator who has created uh, like a, a female superpower mm-hmm. in a sense and is trying to kind of steer them down uh, a good and righteous and positive path. And so I, I can definitely see the parallels mm-hmm. there. The other thing I'll also say to your point is that I can see a lot in terms of the actual art style. Uh, this has very thick lines around a lot of the characters. Uh, Hanna-Barbera is very well known. If you go back and you look at the Flintstones, how they have like very like thick black lines to outline. Inky. Yes. Mm-hmm. The, the inking of the character uh, to show separation between skin tone and clothing. Uh, this does a little bit of a better job blending it sort of together in terms of the color palette they use. But it's very interesting how kind of like pen heavy an outline it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I got a lot of uh, I got a lot of the Hanna Barbera style that you have, which is also very prominent in what they what Tatarski used for Powerpuff Girls. I also got a lot of anime style from this. Mm-hmm. I thought that actually. Yes, I did think that. I just didn't write it. Mm-hmm. No, it's okay. And no, so right. and there's also a little bit of Cal Art who uh, uh, Cal Art style, which is been used a lot in animation recently for um for nickelodeon uh sort of that like bean-shaped head that people mm-hmm. have and so jenny kind of had a little bit of a bean-shaped head uh, at some point and then to the anime style you had characters that had like very sharp angular chins yeah uh, and so it was sort of like a weird kind of hybrid like these were the type of characters that i drew in high school in the corners of my notebook that were like very rounded in certain aspects but then very like jagged and to your point very geometric yeah in sort of the the shape and the style and so it was a uh, it was very kind of curious to see that anime style not in jenny but in characters like brad and tuck and then to see jenny have sort of the more rounded mm-hmm. uh kind of areas where you would think on a robot that it would be a little bit more geometric right but it seemed like the humans were more geometric as well Bizarre. and so it was not in every single era like or every single character had that i even think for brad his hair like he had uh he had that sort of like three-fourths or that like one-fourth part very archy yeah that's what i thought Mm. very archy Mm -hmm. especially with the red hair too Mm -hmm. and so he had that like very distinguished part which i think i had through a good portion of (laughs) high school as well and like the top part of it has no lines it just blends into the background and wherever he is Uh, but then like the top part of it has like a very distinct line to kind of give you that distinguished shape and feature of that giant swoop that like mm-hmm. I used to call it the wave, uh, which is not not a good look What's, when I look at old photos of myself. I think it would. I want to see it. I'll sh- you, I, I promise I'll show you one. Will you post it when you post this with the materials? 
Yeah, I will. That'd be great. That's Thank nice. You. Yeah, damn it. Yes. <laughs> Nailed it. One thing about that hair, in the first scene of the pilot, no, is that the pilot? The first episode. That this wasn't watched. the no. This was okay. actually the first episode. This was of the, the first series. episode. Okay. Yeah, not the in that first scene, you. Um, I had a moment where I wasn't sure if Brad was a father or an older brother because mm. he's kind of dressed like a dad. But maybe that's how <laughs> teenage boys dress at the time. He's like wearing a sweater vest. Yeah. Um, that's what I wore as a teenager. <laughs> well, please the yeah, photo. We yeah, need the we, photo. We need this photo now. You're right though. Now that I think of like the boys I liked in high school, they wore those bet. Like I think it was a look, but yeah. It's been years, and yeah. I was like, "Is that his dad?" And then the hair, I was like, "Oh, that's the cool older brother." That, so that you, wave is cool older brother hair. If you shopped a lot at Structure, Ugh. oh my, back gosh. in the nineties, I'm exhausted. <laughs> now. I'm very tired. Wow. You know where Jenny shopped? Where Delia's catalog for sure. Delia's catalog, definitely. My sister used. I felt like she got one a day. They were like, wow. "Hey, have you gotten these hair things yet?" <laughs> Is that like, was it like trendy or was it tragic? It was, no, it was trendy, like yeah. skater girl. Like everyone wanted uh, to be, a, we were talking about Avril Lavigne earlier. Yeah. Everyone wanted to dress like that, but you, like brands like Roxy, uh, yeah. the surf brand, and th they were all over Delia's catalog. And, and I never got a thing, but I would circle things and just hope one <laughs> day my parents would come into money and be like, oh, that Delia's catalog. That's that's where we're going to use our riches. Your father has an announcement. <laughs> Jackie, uh, your father has noted that you've never picked up a surfboard in your life, but we've gotten you everything from this season's Roxy catalog. Yep. Oh <laughs> what every girl God, wanted. That would be wonderful. <laughs> Perfect. Right. Speaking of what every girl wanted, there's an interesting cast of characters that we have. And I'll say this it felt like especially in the first episode, it felt like there was sort of, even in the second part of the first episode, it felt like there was a little bit of a connection between, let's say, Jenny and Brad. Mm -hmm. Everybody else kind of Totally. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. And so I, I, I kind of felt, uh, kind of felt like there was a connection. Like he was, I, I don't know if it was a romantic connection. It seemed like fans kind of hypothesized about that a little bit. Uh, but it was, it was, it also sort of seemed like a very genuine uh, I want to get to know you. I want to be mm -hmm. your friend. You are you are new and interesting, and you're my neighbor. Mm -hmm. And I should kind of be friendly towards you, uh, in a way that felt genuine to me. Um, and I I kind of wanted to to ask of all of the characters, was there anybody in particular that you were like, I really do enjoy this character. This was somebody that I thought was uh, was interesting for me to watch. I would agree with Brad and the dynamic between the two of them, more so in the first half, more so in the first vignette, I guess we'll call sure. them. Um, to your point of the inkling of a romance, anytime someone is crawling through someone else's window, yep, or at their window, you know, if it's Kevin Arnold and Winnie, or if it's Joey and Dawson's window, that yep. is we're framing into some sort of romantic relationship down the line. So I, I wrote down like that signature trope of yep. neighborhood boy, girl dynamic. They're going through the window. So that's how he first meets her as he comes in through the window. Right, right. Come through my window. <laughs> mm -hmm. I, I think Melissa Etheridge wrote it about something else. But <laughs> she, <laughs> did. she did. Oh wait, is that an allusion to, I didn't realize that. Is uh, that sexual? 
I think it was maybe regarding her sexuality. Oh yeah, okay. That now I'm. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, I yeah, thought yeah, yeah. it might have been the vagina or something. I thought the vagina. Can I say that on this? Yeah. It, can we say vagina? You here? can say okay. vagina hundred percent right. on this show. Okay. Because I I thought you might be saying she was like, and that's fine if that's what she meant. But I thought it was like secret romance can't oh. come out. Maybe. I mean, I think that there's Listen, aspects I, of romance that are that are hearing it that okay. way. <laughs> I mean, this was that would. Did been. you literally think it was an actual physical window? I did, and not like a metaphor. I've never thought about it, but oh, I did because I was like, oh, that's what I'll have to do one day is crawl through someone's fucking window in the cover of darkness. <laughs> this is taking a turn. Uh, the Midwest. Was we thought not, I had an yeah, agenda. You're not the only one with an agenda. Here. <laughs> I'll make this show gay. Yeah. <laughs> and and the other thing is I can't now I lost my thought I'm sorry Brad 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 we were talking um well can I say something and then it'll go come yeah to you? it'll come back to me they had a classic montage didn't they where yes. it was like yeah it was like they were rollerblading and then you had the little comic relief little guy brother who like was always like, took he was yeah like fucking something up or she pushed him and he was like taken off on the blades and there was fire behind it. <laughs> well, I, I think he was sort of, I think to your point, he was absolutely added for the comic relief. Yeah. I think he was also sort of the, the skeptical needed to be sold on her. Mm-hmm. I think Brad right out the gate was, this is new. This is very interesting. I don't know if there's going to be a romantic interest, but I, I love the way that you mentioned that Jackie is, this is, I, I didn't realize how much of that trope I think even for Clarissa explains it all. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, uh, with I think it's Sam who you know he had a ladder. He wasn't even climbing through. Everybody knew he was just attaching it to the open, window, climbing up. Open. What is Clarissa explains oh, it all. God, We're gonna. Oh Denny. my God, Denny. This is there's a well, whole podcast of just catching me up right. on things. There's a podcast. There, I'm. I, oh, is it a cartoon? No. It's oh. A, <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're having fun now. <laughs> Melissa Joan Hart. Clarissa oh, explains is it that all. Sabrina the teenager. Yes. yes, yes, yes. I mean, yeah. well, not right now. The latest yeah. incarnation yeah. of oh, Sabrina. Right. There's now not the there, Netflix one. Everything old is new again. Right. Yeah. Right. Well, <laughs> welcome to this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Fair. How Fair. do you feel about things that do that thing? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love just be right. like, and I don't <laughs> like them, and I hate them. I hate and all I'm of done it. with this podcast. Nostalgia. Air on the vagina. side. Hating it. Yeah. The other thing I like about Brad, it did come back to me, Sean, is he is not alarmed because he witnesses that whole interaction where Dr. Wakeman is saying, you're a robot, X, Y, Z. And like, so he hears some of that. And I love that there was no no small exchange of like, you're a robot? Oh my God, tell me more. He's literally like, hi, I'm Brad, which I thought was really cool. And I think sends the message of to the viewers at the time. It's cool to be different. You will right. be accepted. You will not be poked and prodded at. Yeah, right. Which they could have gone the other direction where he asks a thousand questions. He he's like super nonchalant and accepting. So that's why I really like Brad. I, I love the the positive acceptance uh between that relationship. It it felt so immediate. And I, I love the point that you just made was that they could have gone in a completely different angle in terms of that introduction, but instead it was to Denny's point, a montage of let's catch Jenny up on all the cool mm-hmm. things that kids do, like get ice cream and and play frisbee. And we we did have Tuck in there as this comedic relief who was very skeptical about what was going on and sort of the dynamic and how potentially the dynamic could have changed. And I love the fact that at the very end of the episode, he changed his mind. 
You know, he had that complete realization of, oh no, she's she's really awesome. Mm-hmm. I had an opportunity, like, to, well, one, to almost die in outer space, and then two, I witnessed all the cool stuff that she does, mm-hmm. and the fact that she saved the planet almost seemed inconsequential. It was more just look at all the cool shit that she's got, you know, that she's she's capable of doing. And so I, I love the fact that by the end of that episode, by the end of that eleven minutes. She was a part of that unit. She was in that friend group, which is super fun to see. I, I, as a sidebar too, I also love the Brad and Tuck relationship because while they are older and younger brother dynamic, it's not an older brother picking on the younger brother right. in any way. He's just like, oh, you're my brother. I love you. Let's go do stuff. And you see that a lot in like the second episode where they're setting up how those toy cars are being put together and that racetrack that they have. That's really fun. I would think, I know my my sister is three years younger, about three and a half years younger than me. Uh, we fought a lot all throughout middle school and high school. Uh, I I mean, it's not to say that I, I didn't have a positive relationship with her, but, you know, there were a lot of, you know, kind of, there were a lot of arguments and fights about a lot of different things. And it didn't seem like Brad and Tuck had that relationship. It just seemed like it was, oh, if you're interested in a thing, I'm going to get interested in it too. And let's also include Jenny. And I thought that that was a really fun way to kind of complete that trio. Well, and also it was like you had more real relationships in the sense that it would have been very easy when they came back down to earth in the first part for him to just have been like, cool, you're back. But instead he was like, you're, you scorched my younger brother. Like there was actual caring. Right. And he sort of took his younger brother's side until his younger brother was like, that was cool. So, I mean, it was like not hokey. It was like as right. if these three people have real emotions and are on opposite sides, depending on what the actual issue is. Right. That's weird to me for something that was designed for kids. Like that's so smart. I I cannot wait to catch you up onto some current and more modern cartoons that do a great job oh. at talking about, uh, you know, love and identity Ooh. and gender and everything that's included. Uh, it, it's to say that, and that those are Frederator cartoons, mm. uh, and and there's this whole line that they have of just really great animated shows that, you know, are 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 worth invoking serious emotions from the viewer hmm. and and i think that this does a good job of, of as you mentioned kind of saying hey this can be a legitimately good art form in terms of storytelling and character development here's the real smell test on this i'd love to take this series all the way through i'd like to watch all of it and see what they do with brad and sheldon do they make brad does brad become the jock asshole hmm. to sheldon's nerd I want to know right, what if that's that an easy choice. There's an easy yeah. dynamic that we would all know. Or did they stay true to like, they're both sort of nice guys and we really don't know who she's going to pick. Yeah, I think that that would actually be reason I enough w- to watch. I want to know. Yeah, to further, to further see a little bit more about this. Uh, we have a couple other characters. I know that we talked about uh, Brad, Tuck, Jenny. We have Dr. Wakeman, who mm-hmm. we, we've talked about her as being the creator of Jenny. Uh, what any any initial thoughts and impressions about her? We see her a little bit in sort of these these two vignettes for this first episode. So, when did this idea come about in the media that we need shrill voiced characters? In <laughs> what is her accent again? I feel like like is this a theme that we see in cartoon? Because she talks like this, like it's bizarre. 
Who really talks like that? No one. It's a little bit weird. But I mean, it, but it's, you know, they, they do mention in, in the plot synopsis that she's a spinster, which for no reason, why, why would you use that word? Right. I mean, come on. Right. I mean, I, I'm copying this from Wikipedia, but at the same time, Wikipedia, let's, let's get this together. Get it together, everybody. Well, and then what's interesting is there's the empowering angle of she's this really smart scientist right. but instead they use the word spinster or imply spinster mm-hmm. i mean again who knows if that was really used but yeah i think they could have done better with her in reflecting what the themes of the show were i i would want to keep watching the show for those reasons too i want to know more about her motives and her why um and humanize her a little bit because right she doesn't seem like a human even though she is a human because really what we get from her is sort of overbearing mother figure you know, she comes down as the real hard ass to have that pep talk with Jenny, which is like, you need to get in line and save the world. That's your job. You don't get to go out and have regular teenage life. You you do this. This is what you do. You blow up small C-class, D-class comets and meteorites that are coming into. I liked that. Pew. Pew. Pew, pew. But go. I so I did like that aspect of her because that it, it triggered me and made me think of high school. I couldn't leave to go hang out with my friends until I had folded a Save load of laundry. <laughs> right. So like I like that they mapped it in a, in a sense that she did have these pressures that felt real to being a teenager and having obligations. But yeah, there there's still so many questions left. I do like though that she put that pressure on her. Like, and of course, it was really funny. It was like your only responsibility is to make sure you protect the earth. Yeah, like she literally. Said oh, that. that that's it. <laughs> that's oh, that, it. that's all I got to do. Wee little thing. <laughs> it made my my laundry seems like nothing yeah, now. Yeah, right. I, I got away with. And, and I do like the fact that at the end of that first vignette, she has sort of that realization where she wants to call Jenny back to be very firm and kind of lay the hammer down, but she sees her daughter out there laughing and having a good time, and she's like. You know what? I think she's. I think she's done enough for today. I think we can just kind of turn the the monitors and all the the tech off and just sort of mm-hmm. let her be, let her be a kiddo, a kiddo, you know, for for just right now. And that's the moment where you see like what looks like giant robot warships surrounding the planet that's Earth. Right. And you're like, oh, okay, maybe we don't. Adventures to come. Yeah. Here's the thing about Doctor Wakefield. <clears throat> I want her. I want to know more. I w- if this were an improv scene, we're improvisers for all the listeners out there. Uh, we would be saying, why did this person do this? Like, I need right. to know the backstory, right? However, I, if I'm going to look at a silver lining on a dark cloud, because I think Jackie's 100% right. Here we're describing someone as a spinster who's a scientist. Like, this is, is could this be any more anti-feminine at this point? Here's the feminist bent. Are you ready? Ready. This I I specifically rewatched this scene to make sure it was true. This passes the famous Bechdel test. Two women in a scene not talking about a man. They're actually talking about saving the earth, what the mission is, household chores, what they need to get done. I think this could have been and again, another reason to watch the series is if they could make Dr. Wakefield a little less of what um a kid thinks an old woman is because that's what she is right now i think in the show what a kid thinks an old woman is and more depth it could be again another great reflection on life to help kids out right so i mean kind of a swing and a miss but potential yeah no i i 
it's also very challenging because I've, I've, I've recently talked a lot about the Bechtel test and it, it's, it's a very low bar just to have two women, sure. two women in a scene, not talk or two women in a show, not talking about a man or, you know, and so I'm glad that it does pass that. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, to have a, a mother daughter kind of relationship, it, it doesn't always necessarily lend itself to kind of move in that direction. Cause you know, especially with the fact that we've got two neighbor boys who are sort of jumping through windows and pulling her along on a ride of being a child, you know? And to Jackie's point too, I, I love the idea that, you know, why do they have to identify her as a spinster? Why can't they just say brilliant scientist? Right. Nobody said, you know, uh, the professor who created the Powerpuff Girls, they, nobody said like, you know. Uh, Confirmed si- bachelor. Right. <laughs> or Frankenstein. Or Frankenstein. Well, then again, we really don't. You know, people confuse who Frankenstein really was. No, so maybe right. maybe yeah, we, we do right. shit on yeah. that. No, Guys, time. there's a Frankenstein, and then there's a Frankenstein's that monster. Right. Let's get this very clear. Joe, Joe Randazzo, I know you're not listening. Um, <laughs> Joe has this discussion constantly with all of his uh, improvising, like his uh, castmates, is he makes sure everybody knows that, like on the day one of meeting him. So. I know. Right I've now. had that talk with Joe multiple times. Yeah, I mean, I haven't. He can't. Oh, just, Ooh, I think it's because we both went to American University, and he knew I was an educated young you, yeah. girl. That's a lot of money people <laughs> spend to know that. <laughs> That's all I walked away knowing. I went to a state. School. I can't In even state. Pr- pronounce yeah. Ottoman. That's Ottoman. 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 Mm. That's Ottoman. a lot. That's a lot of money to spend to tell Joe Randazzo to fuck himself. Yeah, that's exactly right. <laughs> But probably worth every penny. It's worth every penny. We love you, Joe. Love you, Joe. Get well soon. I think he has a chest cold or something. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks thanks for explaining that. I got very concerned. Nah, he's fine. uh, Speaking of concern, we're now at the point where we talked a little bit about the plot. We've talked about sort of some of the things that we have that are going on now uh, within the actual contents of the show with some of these characters that are involved. And so I have a couple questions regarding the plot. Again, we're not gonna go beat by beat. Mm-hmm. You can always go out and you can watch season one, episode one, and, and you can kind of uh, explore some of this on your own, come back and listen to some of these questions and see how you would answer them. My first question, this is directly kind of involving what we've been talking about with Dr. Wakefield, or Dr. Wegman as I keep hearing it. I wanna know what advice would you have for anyone Who's raising a teenage robot? I have such an asshole answer. To that. Oh no! Sure. I want to well, go. Go. No, no, no. I, it's like inappropriate and stupid. Now's the time. No, no, this no. is the platform. I think this is the perfect. No, it space was about. To... It was. It's a. It's a was half it a Melissa Etheridge even... song? No, God, I don't think Jenny's like that. I mean, any kids, it's okay. Whatever you're like. Um, what advice would I have for someone raising a teenage robot? Right. Because because. You know, we we have Doctor we have Doctor Wigman, and she's in this position where she is presumably the only parent in the entire world that's in the setting of this cartoon that is raising that we know about a teenage robot, and so that with the stakes of having to save the planet on a daily basis, that's a lot of parental stress and pressure to put mm-hmm. on one person to then create another human life to actually carry out that task, and so. What maybe self-care recommendation mm-hmm. would you give to this mm-hmm. person? How, how would you say or, or what advice would you give to that person who's in that position raising a teenage robot? I think it's, you know, I don't want to do a swing and a miss here, but 
I think it's the same as I would give to a parent of a teenager. It's not about you. So this from the time you birthed that child or turned on that power switch, it's not about you. And now, uh, whatever you thought that that child's life was going to be, whatever you think they're going through, uh-uh. It's not about you. So, and I think the second you give up that control and that you're not in control, everything becomes easier. My first thought was to hug her more because I don't think maybe she would realize that she was a teenage girl going through teenage girl things because she's like, you're a robot, you're sturdy, you're, you're a thing of science, not a thing of heart. Um, and so to demonstrate openness and vulnerability that could be hard for anyone to come by as a teenager that doesn't feel like they're like the other people around them. And so show them that not only are you invested in them becoming, you know, becoming a, a person that you're proud of, but you're invested in, in them feeling nurtured by the world. And I think that the show does a really good job of demonstrating uh, Jenny's insecurities. Like at one point she's like, who would want this body? So I, I also think that language like that um, when a girl is a teenager, they're, they're learning it from someone. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, and I don't know what Dr. Wakeman's hangups would be. Maybe it would be, I am a spinster. I live alone. I had to create you to feel loved and have someone instead of empowering her daughter and uh, reinforcing those things she might feel about herself. And I think that as a parent, you can't, um, you can't correct those thoughts by just saying, no, that's not true. You're beautiful. You have to show that you believe you're beautiful. Mm. I feel very lucky. I didn't have a lot of the body issues uh, that I think a lot of young women have because my mother was always very body positive. Mm. And I, I got that from her. So that would be my advice is to like be body positive, be uh, femininity positive, sex, sexuality positive. I hope she sat Jenny down and had a talk with her about masturbation. You're proving something you said earlier. Oh, that what? you are the only person on this podcast right now that was a teenage girl at some point. Because I think that hit the nail on the head. Right. And as you were saying things, I was like, oh, right. I wasn't even modeled good body positivity growing up, but I would have never had the vocabulary to say what you did. That's great. Thanks. Yeah. That was excellent, Jackie. Uh-huh. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Well, I'm done. Okay. Yeah, you can go, go eat now. some ice cream. You can go and rip up yeah. that agenda on your way out. <laughs> Put your diary back. Put your diary back, Jackie. We can, we'll do that on the next podcast. Let's do that. I think there's improv shows about that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I will say, you know, I think the thing that I almost wanted to hear the doctor do to Jenny was to not treat her as an instrument, to not treat mm-hmm. her as simply a tool. And you you see that, you know, kind of change and evolve over these these you know this first episode, where she becomes a little bit more accepting. She becomes a little bit more understanding. Mm-hmm. But you know, how long has Jenny been in her life where she has treated her this way? You know, and you had a great point, Jackie, about like these are learned behaviors. Like she has been treating her as a tool, as an instrument for saving the world. She had to have some care and compassion about something in order to create her in the first place. And so I loved your point about, you know, just being a little bit more vulnerable. Maybe listen to her. It mm-hmm. seems like she's shouting out, saying, I want friends 
I want to have these things in my life. And you're, you're flat out denying her the ability to do this, but you created a teenage woman. Right. Right. It's kind of like um, in Into the Woods, how the witch keeps yep. its uh, Rapunzel, right? Yeah. In in the castle. And it's like, it's almost, I think, in, in that play, it's because she doesn't want to be alone and without her daughter. Right. And it's like, you know, to your point too, Denny, it's like, this isn't about you. Let her go off and you will always come home. And, and and the challenging thing too is that you know this this becomes very quickly like a grass is always greener on the other side situation where, you know, uh, Brad and Tuck are like, oh, th- this robot's so cool, and Jenny's like, oh, you guys are humans that get mm-hmm. to go to school. This is so totally. cool. Totally, you know. And that was a great moment to have between those, those two between that pairing, uh, or that that friend unit to to see sort of those those different rules in that grass is always greener instance. At the same time, Jenny seems to be in a world where she could have those experiences as well. This is like a weird robot Pinocchio, which mm, if you're mm-hmm. listeners of the show and you listen to us watch Pinocchio's Christmas as our last episode in December, again, I'm very sorry. I actually can't talk about the show because it's been dipped, so it's officially oh. dead. Oh, I was it's about to dead. say it's been dipped and then I thought it would be a spoiler alert. No, don't worry about but it. But this is happening. This has happened. After that. So, so. yes. <laughs> So yeah, but you're right. This is a teenage Pinocchio, and it begs so many questions. Like, did you design her as a teenager? Is she forever a teenager? Has she ever been a baby? Well, Ex- she she does have a great line where the doctor says, "Oh, your powers are still evolving yeah, and right. maturing over time." And so that, to me, in that one single line, we've talked a little bit about how smart and how well this was written. That to me planted that seed of oh shit, like. There's fun stuff that's going to potentially happen as she matures and grows up. One of the questions I actually have or had when that montage was going on is she's out in the public. Are people seeing her? Like, because they're skateboarding, they're skating, skateboarding through town. What do other people think of in the neighborhood? That ice cream guy who got magnetized by his truck. Like, yeah. what, you know, what insurance claim does he fill out? Exactly. What robot good magnet checkbox? Yeah, that's right. Thanks, so, progressive. Well, I mean, yeah, thanks, for, thanks, Liberty. Um, it, yeah, I mean, it's this could have a thousand different applications because, like, she could be today if uh, this show came out, it would be like, is she like the Muslim moving into the neighborhood mm-hmm. for, for the first time and has to walk through? To your point, I didn't even think about that walking through public and being like, I'm the one that's different. This show, as we're talking about this, has so such great real world application to make kids stop, hopefully stop and think about who they're um, interacting with and how they're interacting with right. their peers. Which this brings me to my next question. Oh, perfect. Perfectly. Okay. And so do you believe that Jenny is capable of having a quote unquote teenage experience? I think she is having a teenage experience. I mean, this is the classic teenage experience. Everybody feels like an outsider. Uh, everybody feels like I'm different and I'm not the same and no one's going to like me. And if they find out who I really am, they'll hate me even more. I hate to go that deep, but like, no, I, I mean, think she I, I is think, having a teenage yeah. experience. I think it's classic teenage. Right. I think so too, especially they set it up so well right away when she's like, my name's Jenny. That's such a teenage thing. <laughs> like, I'm no longer Jacqueline. You're calling right. me Jackie. Right. Like, 
That actually is not what happened with me. They always call me Jackie. But I'm just saying that moment of righteousness of being like, I'm calling the shots now. I'm a teenager. You know what I mean? And being like, this is who I am now. And I, I just felt like that was very genuine. And again, there's a few of those comments of like, who'd want this rest? Like, she is a teenager. She has those teenage feelings of confusion and not fitting in and wanting to fit in and her authority figure doesn't understand her she's trapped at home she's bored classic yeah i i I agree with both of you i think that she is having that teenage experience albeit it's the most unique teenage experience Mm. for anybody that would be on this planet or in this town it's true uh you know to to have to understand i think it's challenging because the way that it's set up is that uh, they don't really give her anybody that is a peer, that is a robot peer to kind of empathize or at least learn from. Like there's no uh, there's no role model that she can look after and be like, oh, that's the robot that I'm going to, that's the female robot that I aspire to be in the future. You know, it's always hard because she's that sort of trendsetter. She has to be the one mm-hmm. to kind of go down that robot teenage path on her own. Right, she's the most heightened teenager there is because she is utterly alone usually in the movies right even in um I was just watching to all the boys I've loved before for the second time and the protagonist she I think does have those moments of feeling misunderstood and she has this big humiliating thing happen to her which if you haven't seen the movie you should it's a great movie it's on Netflix progressive liberty um to all the boys I've loved before <laughs> pew pew but she still has a best friend who is like a freak with you know freaks and geeks like they mm-hmm. they find each other to your point Sean right. and then realize we don't need anyone else yeah um but yeah Jenny I wonder again do we see this maybe later on is Sheldon maybe that for her because he's so nerdy well what about Queen Vexus right I mean so there there are there are other robot characters that we do have which this brings me to one of my final questions. Oh. And uh, I've talked a lot about this, weirdly enough, because of the show Stranger Things. Uh, I'm so excited for season three. I'm still not through season two. Okay. Can I just be behind on everything? You can. can. I think you are. I think it's You don't need permission. Right. It's a fact. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, they they introduce a character, obviously, in Stranger Things named Eleven. And so a big part of my suspicion about watching and finishing that first season was, okay, well, if you ever in a science fiction fantasy world name a character after a number Ooh. then what came before that that's good. or what has come after it good. and you see it in movies like alien uh resurrection where they bring sigourney weaver's character back and they clone her at that point spoiler fuck it it's been out for like 15 she years. looks good with a shaved head sigourney weaver always looks good with a shaved mm-hmm. head but i don't actually think she has some hair in this one. Oh, yeah okay uh but she did when she was in Alien yeah. 3. Oh, I don't know the numbers, but... It's fine, don't worry about it. They paid her like $4 million at the time, which was like the highest paid any woman had ever made for a movie. Just to shave her head. Just to shave her head. No, yeah. I mean, like, I mean, yeah. it's insane. Uh, so they, they, they have all the stuff, you know, that's, a, that's included with here, or in... Let me start that again. In those science fiction worlds, whenever they name that character after a number, you always have to think what comes before and what comes after... Uh, you know, there's there's always a system of numbering for these mad and wacky scientists when mm-hmm. they create this stuff that it's interesting. And so I wanted to know, you know that Jenny's model number is XJ9. What do you think, and we know a little bit about them from the synopsis, but what do you think happened to the other XJ1 through 8 before her? 
Oh, they're in that house. <laughs> they're in the garage. They're in the basement. Oh, no. The first one's like a Roomba, right? <laughs> the first one's just small. And then they get bigger and bigger. God, you're right. No, is no, this you, right? No, because right. it makes sense, right? It's just like the Macintosh. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah, you yeah, can yeah. see the that's somewhere. Except with the Mac, it's like it was big and then it got Well, yeah, it was big and then it got right. But reverse Mac. They're in that house. Oh, jeez. For sure. <laughs> and they're different uh, eras of fashion, too. So we have. <laughs> oh, that'd be great. Right? We have like a flapper. The first yes, one was a flapper. Right. It has like one she of those peacock. Like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> the second one's like a 1950s housewife. Betty an Draper. Apron. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, That's it. They just go up through. Time. Oh, I like that. So we actually, they, the sisters do make an appearance uh, in season one. There's an episode that's called uh, Sibling Tsunami. And so you, you get a chance to see uh, some of them uh, like throughout. And, and to your point, Denny, they are different like shapes and sizes. Uh, they're, they're smaller. Like the first, I think, uh, XJ1 is sort of like a little, if you're familiar with uh, Wally. The, the Disney oh, yeah. Pixar movie Wally Eve is she's sort of like a little kind of mm-hmm. bubble kind of cocoon. She's sort of oval shaped, uh, and so they they progressively change and vary in size and complexity. And you know, as, as the number line gets further along and closer to nine, they begin to kind of look a little bit more human mm-hmm. uh, in that sense. And so it's it's very interesting. And you you even get uh, XJ eight who appears in an episode that is called uh, "There's No Place Like Homeschool." So presumably they're being, these robots are being homeschooled. Oh, wait. Okay, hold on. So in my head, they were shut down. Right. Yeah, that's but what I But you're saying I, they're saying, operational. I'm saying that they could be operational. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't know definitively without actually having watched all the episodes yeah. and watching the plot synopsis you know, or reading the plot synopsis for everything. Uh, but they are there. And then I'll throw in an extra spoiler is that there is an episode where uh, where Dr. Wakeman um, feels that Jenny has gone rogue or she's gone renegade. Westworld. And so you do see a little bit. And so you do actually see an XJ-10 being based. It couldn't be done. (laughs) Yeah. Except she's never actually like fully created. It's more just a. Oh, it's tinkering. It's tinker. Oh. Well, tinker. I thought it was like. Um, what is that? What did they the T one thousand, where it was like she could go through metal bars? Oh, yeah. you know what I mean. I thought yeah. it was like hunt down XJ nine. <laughs> I mean, it, it, I'm I'm sure that at some point, if she had not, if she had gone a hundred percent renegade, yeah. that yeah, I'm sure that it probably would have been like a an XJ nine hunter, kind of a thing. That would have been a really so interesting many show. good ways to go with this. Yeah. Wow. Now that I want anything to happen to Jenny's character, no, no it gets resolved in the yeah, end. Yeah, it gets resolved. So it's a cartoon. We never had an emotional She takes the SATs for her and they were like yeah, best friends right, again. Exactly. Because they look alike. <laughs> they got a 1600. Hey, not an ACT. ACT. Not an ACT. Uh, you know, it's weird because like, I think the 1600 on the SATs is like the very old. That's like when we took the oh. SATs. It's like, there's like, I don't now know. Now there's an essay, right? And there's like, oh, it's three bunch. parts. So yeah. or is we're it like, irrelevant now because we can't even. That's I fine. We don't have to worry about it. I degree. I'm not going back to school. Uh, Final question about this. Did you see the Mickey Mouse reference coming? Thank you. <laughs> Wait, you, with the, you mean with the... Um, with the little... The, the with little Vladimir, with Scruffles. Mr. Scruffles, yeah. the, the rat that we have, is the actual only antagonist yeah. in the second vignette. Uh, he wants to take over uh, Jenny's body and be able to have all of his rat henchmen 
help him in terms of possessing her body by going through the navel of Jenny. And uh, it's weird to see multiple different rats scurrying into a robot and it's then fun. have the robot reaching into her body and just that was throwing up. them up. But it was it was a cool visual. It was right. a, it was an interesting visual. Plus, I love the way that they kind of staged the attack. And it, it, the the music that kind of lined up with that was very interesting to see, like note by note by note, like mm. a mouse appearing every time, oh. heading in a very specific direction. So I, I like to see that sort of uh, thought, yeah, thought yeah. exactly that planning put into something that seemed very well articulated and executed. Um, are you saying with the Mickey Mouse reference that these guys were like? Um, Steamboat Willie. Yeah, but they were like, were they trying to like fuck around? Were they trying to be like, fuck you, Disney, you're evil in this, in this, not, I don't mean like that. I mean like, um, they're like, if we're going to have a bad guy, it's going to look like Mickey Mouse, so fuck you. Is that what they're doing? I don't think it was anything malicious. Oh, okay. okay. Did you get malicious? No, you know, I know Renzetti. I've known a guy like Renzetti. <laughs> you, are, you don't know Renzetti, Rob but Renzetti. you know enough Renzettis. Yeah, right. Good, good family. Runs they go the, to church. Runs the sub shop they're down good the guys. street, right? <laughs> <laughs> Talking about dying, rats. Talking about rats. Dying to just say yeah. Renzetti. Yeah, just like, I wish we had the agenda finally. I like <laughs> Renzetti when it's just al dente. When it's just <laughs> <laughs> that rat's got to have a little bit of bite to it, right? You just want to be able to chew it. Don't want it cooked all the way through. <laughs> no, no. It's got to have teeth. It was interesting because they were animated a little differently too. The little Mickey Mouse, like it looked early yeah. era. It was still inky, right? But, but it was. I mean, it did. It, it was a jarring change yeah. in animation to me, and they also looked less colored in. They looked like taupe and black yeah like a little the, blurry yeah it was weird i didn't like just that in the stream that we had but yeah. it, uh, um. but I, to, to your point I, I i do understand like there was they did a good job in in this regarding animation of playing with sort of uh light and darkness in certain instances like when we have tuck sneaking into the house to get his baseball mm -hmm. in the first scene there's sort of all those like grays and blacks and and uh, different like darker tones that they have to kind of show the inside of the house and you know the the still shots that they have of like broken down robots and like cut in half automatons that are mm -hmm. just like laying on the floor in like the living room and they did that again in the second vignette with sort of this vladimir rat that they had or mr scruffles as <laughs> as they refer to him which i think is great <laughs> nothing's more nothing nothing is more demeaning and humiliating of just like having a russian rat be like i'm gonna take over a fucking robot and then just belittle him with a pet name that yes. is a big middle finger doctor so but i like it it was a i i had the exact same impression that you had jackie second i saw him steamboat willie yeah and then the very end when dr wakeman is just like if you do this then we're gonna use this special prize and she holds out a pair of like red mickey mouse shorts and there was a oh i didn't catch that oh, oh my god man. that to me was just like that was the biggest there was a moment where I was like, not a fuck you to Disney then? I don't I, understand it. Because I just don't think that it was, I mean, maybe it was. Or is, I mean, it, or is it like an homage to them? Like, I thought it was a little, little column A, a little column B. Okay. Yeah, because it seems a little, it seems a little um, not nice. Well, there was a part of me that's not an, like a, a copyright lawyer that I was like, hmm, how does this work? Yeah. yeah how does right. this happen? Like, how did that make it through? Yeah, like, how do you not get sued? Yeah. Especially because they're bad guys. Well, I think a lot of it just has to do with parody, 
you know, if you mm-hmm. can parody something because it's it looks very similar, but it's not identical. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, they these ma- these mice were very angular, and then they made them Russian. So that was interesting. I don't know. I'm just I'm trying to justify. Look, yeah. in Disney a, in a league, and Russians both anti-Semitic. Am, am I allowed to? <laughs> I missed that. I don't know what you said. They I'll were, have to listen both to They're anti-Semitic. Oh, uh, yeah, oh boy. I, you know, Sean and I are both married to Jews, so. <laughs> yeah, to get if that we in we couldn't there. spot anti-Semitism before, we certainly know what it looks like now. And that was it. Jack, I didn't like this episode. <laughs> you didn't like what? that vignette? I didn't, I didn't like either. that. I love I the first either. one. Yep. And I know, I don't know if I'm getting ahead here on our, you know. Okay. Our, but I really, I hope that episode the tone was just so different too. And there wasn't enough moments of connection with Brad and Tuck. Like it just went a little too, I don't know. I just, I really didn't like that episode Hmm. or that vignette. As a sci-fi fan, you end the first episode again with the warships coming in. It felt like such a left turn that the next episode we have is fucking rats in my own house chewing through my wires. Like, what happened to the warships? Yeah. Right. Like, those were the problems. Yeah. And wouldn't you think that the enemy, because then I'm guessing, okay, they brought these guys in to now have a, condom, a, a common enemy. Did you say condom? Condom enemies. Oh. Condom enemies are big penises. Don't get me started. <laughs> <laughs> Met a lot of them. I went a lot this. of them. Yeah. <laughs> so you said common enemy. Common enemy because Dr. Wakeman's not supposed to be the enemy, right? So right. maybe they were mm-hmm. like, okay, now we, but the co- the common enemy or the enemy or, you know, who she's coming up against should have been more related to the meteors yeah. or yeah. These something external threaten- forces. threatening yeah. the environment. Like, it almost just kind of like minimized her role a little bit. She she destroys the meteor that's going to destroy the earth. We see the warships. Rats take over her body? <laughs> I, Rats know, is what we were worried about? I feel about? like what this was was, again, in the first part of the episode, they did not want to, and I think that they, they towed that line and then they retreated from it of making Dr. Wakeman the enemy. And then they show these warships and that there's a potential larger looming threat. And then because there was no true antagonist in that first part of the episode, they were like, we're going to dip our toe in mm. an antagonist for the second one. You know, and I felt that that was sort of the transition because we do know that there is Vexus and there is this whole cluster right. empire that's out there. You're going to eventually get to it. I, I, you know, I think it was one of those things where like, we're not going to blow our load you know, in the first so 23 soon. minutes. Like, right. We're going to build up to it. You know, We've got four seasons. Blowing three, three your load seasons. also. No, I know, but he thought he was getting a fourth. I mean, I think he wanted a fourth. Classic Renzetti. <laughs> you know Renzetti, how he gets. Oh, my, oh God. my God. Never get the cold cut trio. No. No, it's no because you know something. Too much sodium and Renzetti. That's why he's packing the pounds. That's exactly right. <laughs> His wife's not doing Oh, my gosh. Well, I think that we have kind of talked about what some of our opinions are. And we're going to get to our final review in a second. But hey, guess what? You, longtime listener. That's right. It turns out you guys have opinions as well. And you put them on the internet. And so to honor them, we are going to turn them over to longtime friend of the show, Bobby Anthem, for our segment of this week's Love It or Hate It. Bobby, take it away. Our Love It is titled, This Deserves a Reboot. 
by Jaden the Kid, 15,251, in July 2018. Jaden says, This show deserves a reboot and a sequel to their TV special, Escape from Cluster Prime. I might do that. Possibly in the year 2030 when I launch my very own TV network for teens 13 to 17. The reboot might air on a TV block of my own, possibly on my channel. I'll start with three movies, and then a reboot show, and then a season one, episode 10 TV special sequel to their TV movie. This contains spoilers for the years 2030 to 2038. 10 out of 10, good lord. And our hated is titled, Show Doesn't Make Sense, by ShadowGuy1228 in May 2008. This one is edited for length, and it says... Why would you make a teenage robot? Teenagers aren't going to feel like saving the world at all. I know I wouldn't. And metal and electricity doesn't make you have the strength of a million and seventy men. I think the show takes place in the future, though not too distant, because most of the people in the direct serving line of work are robots, and the robots have personalities. But I still don't understand how they're good robots. Something else that is weird is a human likes her. His name is Sheldon, and he's attracted to her. There must be a word for that, like heterobosexuality, but it would make sense if there wasn't a word for it, because it would never happen. The biggest thing that doesn't make any possible sense is all the robots have genders. How does Jenny have a gender? Was she made with an animatronic woman part or something? Three out of ten. Excellent. As always, Bobby, thank you for kicking us off in 2019 with New Year's Nicktoons, Love It or Hate It. We love you, buddy. Thank you so much. And I, I gotta say, I felt like that final kind of hated. Like, that was, I, I don't know. It, it felt very dismissive. I felt like this show seems to have had a lot of uh, critical acclaim. It, it, it's been award-winning. Even when I went on YouTube to find the theme song, almost every single comment underneath it was, this show just needs to be rebooted. We need to just have this continue for that season four that Denny mm-hmm. had talked about. Mm-hmm. We need to get Renzetti on the phone. We need to make this happen, get him out of the deli counter, get him back creating stuff for Frederator. <laughs> yeah. And I, I, it, it's amazing uh, to see such positive nostalgia for something that ended you know, so long ago and then had a chance to come back for a third mm-hmm. season. And then people still love this, this cartoon. So it's now going to come down to our recommendations or whether or not we don't recommend this show now for anybody listening for the first time you can recommend a show you could tell us why you can also say i don't recommend this show tell us why you hate it and if you don't recommend it you can give it the roger rabbit style dip and if we get a majority two out of three in this room it erases it from the annals of cartoon history jackie i recommend the show okay I recommend it. So I believe it does get better. That second half of the episode was a little shaky, but I think they were experimenting. And I think for one, the sci-fi element in a cartoon is really fun, especially with a female protagonist. I think there's great mapping of the teenage experience, great mapping of the teenage girl experience, and some good real-life dynamic, genuine relationships that don't seem like a caricature of what high school or teenage relationships might be. So recommend the show. I like it. Awesome. Thank you, Jackie. 
Denny. Recommend. Um, can improve on what Jackie said regarding the teenage experience. Unanswered questions for me that I think is why I'm recommending this. I want to see Jenny and Vexus. I want to see her get tempted to join this like robot world. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to see Sheldon and Brad. I want to see the juxtaposition. I want to see if they can continue to be, uh, can this show still be smart and emotionally normal versus hokey, which I think would be very easy to do. Wakeman, like we talked. I want to see, can we actually turn her into a three-dimensional character instead of a two-dimensional character? The unanswered questions for me are why I'm recommending it because I think this show can only do more and and be even better. For me, I'm going to recommend this and I don't have anything new to add beyond what the two of you have said. I think that there's a lot of positive things and Denny, to your point, those questions I think are enough to keep me interested to make me want to continue to watch the show, to hunt this down on YouTube and Dailymotion and try to find you know a little bit more of, of what those relationships are. Is this something that's played in more of that sort of Pepper Ann where it was a, a real understanding of uh, a woman in her teenage years kind of coming through and, and having to process a lot of those relationships? Or is this something where, again, are they going to go really hokey? And I think that if I find that it gets really hokey, I'm going to text the both of you and just be like, abort, abort, okay. don't, don't uh, do it. Uh, but Ooh. I'm hoping I don't have to send that text message. Yeah. I really hope that I don't. So I, I'm going to recommend my life as a teenage robot as well. So that's three for three, kicking off 2019. Man, we we closed that 2018 with a dip, and now we are back with a recommendation. That's so wonderful. Everything feels better. Just really volleying back and forth a lot. So this has been excellent. Thank you, Jackie. Thank you, Denny, Mm -hmm. for both coming on the show this evening to do this. Uh, I now wanted to ask uh, Jackie, yeah. Uh, anything that you would like to plug for the good listeners, anywhere that they could find you online, social media wise, too. Yeah. So you could find me online as Senorita Soprasata Renzetti. Renzetti knows how to spell it. He's, Sober. Yeah, ask him if you need need to find me. And I am a DC performer up until February second. So you could catch me in my last show uh, with I Musical, the improvised musical on February, um, on January 27th at Atlas Performing Arts Center. Denny and I will also be in a show together with the indie troupe To Be Frank on January 24th. So visit witdc.org, look for To Be Frank and iMusical and come on out. Awesome, thank you, Jackie. Denny. Well, I actually think we have a To Be Frank show before then. Sorry, everyone that would hit the mic there. (laughs) Um, I'm going to pull up my Google Cal. Google Cal. Uh, Jackie and I have a to be frank. Sh- no, you're right, aren't you? Yep. You know what we have, I'm Jackie. flipping through a paper calendar Jackie, just for the on juxtaposition. January 11th, you can see the final show of Vaughn. Oh, Vaughn. Virginia, Ohio, New York. <laughs> um, this is a long-lived um, Troop that we are on, we do something called the Vano scene, which is just a mono scene with the word, the letter V instead of an M. Um, so anyway, if you know improv, you know what I'm talking about. Looking forward to seeing you at Atlas Performing Arts Center, 9.30 p.m. on the 11th for that. Um, I'm also directing a show called Starship Odyssey, The Final Mission, mm-hmm. a sci-fi sort of send-up uh, that will be premiering at Washington Improv Theater 
uh, June 21st, 2019. Awesome. I'm very excited. And can the people find you online anywhere? Oh, like, yeah. Um, Hotmail. Hotmail. MySpace. I, I have an MSN account. <laughs> just his friendster. Uh, <laughs> my Instagram is Dennis Ryan Johnson. I don't use it, but you can follow me. Okay. And I'll follow you back. Perfect. I promise. I will I will tag you in post and I will also oh, yeah, put great. all of this information up on the the show notes as well for for this for anybody who's looking to find anybody online. Uh, and I'll also be tweeting and posting everybody's handles and everything like that to plug the show as well. You heard him on this week's episode, our buddy Bobby Anthem. You can hear him on his paranormal podcast, Inhuman Experience. They are back and releasing new episodes. You can find them on Twitter at I-E-X-P underscore podcast. You can also find them on Spreaker and SoundCloud. He's also the occasional third co-host of the THT Movie Review Podcast, which broadcasts every Saturday night at 1130 Eastern Standard on Mixler. You can also find him on Twitter at Bobby Anthem. Send him some love. He's simply the best. As for me, I perform live improv comedy with a group that's called Knox. That's N-O-X exclamation point. We perform at Washington Improv Theater. You can find tickets and times with dc.org i'm also on instagram and twitter frequently at sean paul ellis you want to support this little show yes saturday morning cartoons it's super simple just tell a friend review us on itunes it takes two seconds do it when you're having your constitutional in the morning you're on your phone anyway stop lying to yourself <laughs> help us out you can slide into our dms on twitter at morning tunes check us out on ig and facebook at saturday morning cartoons you could drop us an old-fashioned email, an old-timey email, <laughs> SaturdayMorningCartoons at gmail.com. Remember, that is morning with you. You can find all of these links that I've mentioned on our link tree that is in the bio for all of our social media sites, as well as you can listen to this podcast on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, and iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, wherever fine podcasts are sold. Also, if you're paying for podcasts, what? Uh, I mean, I guess some people do that for extras and stuff like that, but this is always going to be free. Thank you guys so much for listening. And we're going to be back on January 22nd with our second New Year's Nicktoons with Danny Phantom. I've never watched that one either. So yeah. everybody in this room is shaking their head. Who are the guests? I, <laughs> Who are the panelists? I'm not going to spoil Oh, that. oh, cliffhanger. Yeah, that's the cliffhanger. Come to my window. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. And we'll talk to you next week. Hey, everybody. Thanks a lot for listening to Saturday Morning Cartoons. Now, if you'll excuse me, I have to transform and roll.